thankful for that. I know a lot of you were uh, affected by the storms this week, and uh, we have been praying for you uh, through this week, been in touch with a number of you. Uh, some folks in our church family were deeply affected by it, so we want you to be aware of that, and if there's ways that we're able to help out with physical labor uh, or financially, we'll be kind of keeping you abreast of what those needs are over the weeks to come. So for now, we just want to really encourage you to be uh, praying for them. Um, so Isaiah... Okay. Okay, so yeah, if you want to help, uh, you can contact the Habitat for Humanity office in Washington and ask for Fran, and then uh, they can direct you to places where you can... If you, oh, if you need help. Okay. Okay, great. Okay, so if you're in need of specific help, contact uh, the Habitat office in town. That's great. Thanks, Fran. So I was uh, thinking this morning about Isaiah chapter 43 in light of kind of the circumstances for many people this week. It says this. It says, when you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, and your Savior. I want you to meditate on that text this morning as you think through the circumstances that many people have gone through. And the reason that we ultimately need not fear the fire of death is because Jesus Christ, our Savior, went into the fire for our saving. Okay, so when you think about that text, there's an immediate application to where we stand today, right? In our personal, physical circumstance. But there is a much greater meaning in that text, and that is the reason for our ground of standing before God is because of the work of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So for that this morning, uh, we're grateful for that, and of that we will sing this morning as we share together. So would you stand with me this morning as we uh, open in prayer? And I'm going to pray for uh, the Quinones family. They had a medical emergency that they're on the road to addressing, uh, even as we're speaking this morning. So I want you to, I think it's for Liz's dad that there was a circumstance this morning. So I want you to be aware of that. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are grateful that in Jesus Christ, we stand on solid ground. And we realize and we confess that all other ground is sinking sand. Lord, we were reminded of that this week. Things that people thought could never move, moved uh, because of the power of that storm. And Lord, that reminds us that we, we may cling to things that are less stable than we believe. And so, Lord, this morning, help us to let go of the things that we cling to for stability, whether it's our influence, whether it's our appearance, whether it's our financial status, our standing in life, our job, our marriage, whatever we may think it is that makes us strong is unsteady and not trustworthy. But we thank you that we have the solid ground and solid rock of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, everything around us may change. All of our circumstances may be dramatically different this week than they were a week ago, but you remain the same. And for that this morning, Lord Jesus, we are thankful. We pray for Dan Slack this morning. Thank you uh, for a brief conversation with him this morning and continued progress. We pray for him, his simple request for, for patience as he walks through this season of recovery from heart surgery, uh, a slow walk, which is hard for him. And God, I just pray that you will just pour comfort over him and that he will find himself resting deeply in you along with his wife and children. We ask the Lord for your blessing over the Quinones family as they go to care for Liz's dad is my best understanding of the situation. Lord, you know. And so we commit that family to you this morning as they uh, walk through this season that you have for them today. Be with them and show, the, show yourself strong to them, we pray. Bless the singing of your word and the preaching of your word this morning. Glorify the name of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Let's worship him together.
Father, we pray that you would overwhelm us afresh with the wonders of the gospel. When we were lost and undone, without hope, helpless, rebels, Christ died for sinners. And Lord, because we know him, we are people of great hope. And for that, we will be eternally thankful. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. We, uh, we wanted to do something uh, special for our graduating seniors, graduating high school. And uh, I know several are away. Um, we have enough books here for like eight of them, which is probably more than, definitely more than we need. But we, we at least wanted to um, honor those that were here, and we'll get, we'll get this material to, to others also. So if you have just graduated from high school, come on up. I was going to say come on down, like they say on that talk, but come on up, come on up. Chris, I see Chris. Jaden, good. I will, we'll, we, we, we have more we can get hand out. Come on up. Come on up and join us. Yeah. Good to see you guys. Good to see you guys. Come on up, guys. Congratulations. So one of the things that we've thought as you're going off to college, or maybe you're not, either way, whatever, um, two resources we wanted to give these young men and then pray for them is uh, we're going to give each one of them an ESV study Bible. Um, this is one of my favorite study Bibles, and um, so I think it's a great one. You will find it to be an incredible resource for you. Because I don't know, do you ever get confused, like if you're reading the Bible and you come to Obadiah, and you go like, I can't find it, number one, but when I do find it, what do I do? Like, what is going on here, right kind of thing? So, so these study Bibles are just excellent to orient you to the Bible. That's the one. And the other book we're going to give you, so we're assuming that you'll, you'll read them, you know, okay. <laughs> right? The other book is called Surviving Religion 101. And it's, uh, it's, again, it's one of my favorite books. And it's it, uh, a father, he's, he's a really, he's a brilliant New Testament scholar, wrote this for his daughter as she was going off to the University of North Carolina. And what, in, in, in each chapter is like um, a letter written to her, but it just has scripture woven all the way through it. And each chapter deals with a different argument that you often hear at the secular campus about people who are, want to deny Christianity. So it's one of my favorites. I highly recommend it. So we, Pastor Tim has copies of each one of these. So he's going to hand one of those out to each one of you. And we'll make sure we get these to the other guys too. But we, we want to pray for you all. Uh, wherever God is taking you, whatever he's, he's, he's doing. So it's our joy to have you guys all here. Father, thank you for these men. Thank you for each of the seniors that have graduated. And Lord, um, our prayer for them is that they will stand on our shoulders and go way beyond us in their commitment to Christ and their impact upon the world around us. What, whatever they choose to do, may Christ be central. May they love you intensely, Lord. May they share the gospel with great passion. And Lord, we just pray that these resources, along with others, will help them along that journey. Father, thank you. Thank you for your good work in our, all our lives. Thank you, Lord, for impacting the next generation. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Guys, once again, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. So we, we just came off a week of camp. Um, see, Pastor Tim was up on Wednesday night, I think, right? So that was fun to have him up with us. And it was a wonderful week. It was about 150 
teens, and I think I spoke 10 times, so um, if I seem kind of bleh today or something, you don't probably know why, but it was a ter terrific week. Uh, young people came to faith in Christ, and we dedicated their lives, so it was really, really, really great week. Well, this is so appropriate then for us to do this and segue right to our special speaker for the day. Uh, so Joey Storza is our missionary that we support. He works with ISI, and he can give you some of the background on some of those things. But his is a college ministry. We need more of these college ministries, not less on our secular campuses. So we are delighted that he's with us here today. So Joey, if you'll come and introduce yourself and then preach to us. Thank you, Pastor. All right. Test, test. Is it working? Beautiful. I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed. I was expecting there to be like a section of eggs and milk and uh, all that, because this used to be a shop, right? If you didn't know. So I was like, man, I could make my wife happy, get, get what I forgot, and uh, come share the word. But no, just joking. Um, excited to be with you today. Um, thank you, Pastor Tim, Doug, for, for the opportunity. Um, I'm going to be talking about Ephesians 3, uh, but before I, I get there, since it's been some time, I want to share a bit of uh, background with you about who I am. I always appreciate that when uh, preachers do that. And uh, fun facts, I was born and raised in, in Hudson County, specifically Guttenberg, New Jersey. Anyone know where that is? All right, all right. Born and raised in Hudson County, super urban environment. My parents happened to be old world, old school immigrants from uh, Italy, in fact. And uh, uh, though they were Italian, they did not speak Italian mostly in the home. They spoke their regional dialect. Super, super different. So people will often ask, like, do you speak Italian? I was like, well, a little bit of Italian mixed with dialect, mixed with English, mixed with Spanglish because of where I grew up in Hudson County. Um, and so though I look white, I have a lot of these immigrant experiences growing up, like the time my mom uh, just went crazy because my brother brought home a bunch of New Jersey Devils paraphernalia and she thought he was involved in the occult. And so, you know, that was fun to watch as a five-year-old. I was the youngest of five. He was the oldest of five. And um, yeah, you know, as for my faith, I was in and out of, of different churches growing up. Uh, we were raised Christian, Protestant, um, but I never fully understood the gospel until a youth retreat, in my case, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday retreat, that I went to um, in the eighth grade. Uh, before that, I, uh, my view of God, Christianity, the Bible, really landed on two ends of, of a spectrum, um, probably from around five, six, seven, eight. If you asked me then what I believed about God, um, what I believed about salvation, I would have answered something like, well, if you're raised in the faith, you're by default saved. You're automatically saved, right? God is like a grandpa, grandma in the sky. I could do no wrong. He'll just kind of sweep my sins under the rug. And then around 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, when I started learning about hell and the wrath of God and these types of things, if you ask me then what I believed, I sort of pictured God as this sort of drill sergeant God, you know, that I needed to sort of earn um, his love, earn salvation. And it was not until that eighth grade retreat when I heard the, the true gospel about a creator God who was loving, but a perfect judge. He needed to punish my sin, but he wanted to save me out of love. And in his wisdom, he sent Christ, he sent Jesus to live the perfect life that I could never live, right? Achieving the moral record that God requires. Died the death that I deserve to die, paying the penalty for our sins. And then he rose again to validate that work and offer us his life, offer us the work that he did so that we can be made new. And so I came to Christ. Picture, you know, and I was in the eighth grade, right? Picture little Joey, all serious about his faith. I was shorter. I didn't have a beard, but I really, really came to Christ, and um, I started sharing the gospel with my friends in my secular or middle school, and it uh, just made sense to me then. I wanted to share the gospel with those who were around me. It happened to be other students, my friends in the eighth grade, and so when I got to high school, it made sense to get plugged into student ministry there. I went to uh, university, New Jersey City University, 
and the um, campus ministry that existed there was Crew. So I got plugged in all four years. Um, in 2010, my wife and I joined the staff of Crew. We got married, um, and we graduated college all in that all in that year. And then for 12 years, we were actually on staff with Crew here in North Jersey until last year. Um, the Lord called us to join another campus ministry called International Students Incorporated and get a little more specific in our outreach um, to reach international students with the gospel of Christ. And though they're both campus ministries, they're very different. And, and Crew, I was on about five campuses, mainly coaching the Christian student leaders to do the work on their campuses. Um, and it was mostly undergrad, mostly American students. In ISI, I get to be at one campus, Stevens Institute of Technology, uh, working mostly with non-Christian international students, helping them with hospitality, showing them where to buy groceries, uh, becoming their friends, helping them move around furniture, uh, but also doing Bible studies right on campus. The bread and butter of our, of our ministry is a Friday night fellowship, which uh, in September, for about the first three weeks at this one school, we had about 100 international students come out. Not all of them stayed, probably about 70 or so stayed at those first few meetings. And then it just started averaging out to 50 students every Friday night, right? We serve them food and we teach them. We say, we educate you about Christianity. And of course, we're teaching them the gospel every week. We did this through the stories of Jesus, through the book of Luke, all of this last year. And we do other fun stuff too. Uh, field trips, um, outings, local outings and whatnot. This Saturday, we're going down to the Jersey Shore. And it's mostly non-believers where, again, we're developing relationships with them, pointing them to Christ. Three students this last year came to Jesus, praise God. Um, they were baptized. Two of them were baptized on Easter Sunday at a couple of our partner churches. So that's just been a really, really exciting um, exciting thing that the Lord has done this last year. And so if you want more info, I'm happy to put you on our prayer letter list. We send that out every month via email um, so you can get more info about that. All right, now on to the scriptures. Um, I want to talk about Ephesians 3. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. Hope that's not a problem. If not, um, I'll read what I have here and, and whatever you can post up is fine. And uh, a few months ago, I was just struck again by how rich it is with, with, with wisdom. And I couldn't think quite of like a nifty title for the talk. Um, not sure if your pastors are good at that. I'm not. But I couldn't quite think of one. So this is really just big ideas from Ephesians 3. Hope you like that. And so um, let me pray and then I will uh, jump into uh, reading this. God, thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the fact that you even decided in your grace to give us a written word that we might know more about who you are, more about who we are, more about what your plan is in our lives. Um, there's just so much rich content in the scriptures, God, about how to live the Christian life, how to worship you rightly. And I just pray that as we uh, read your word from Ephesians 3, and as we uh, draw out these big ideas, um, that you would help us to be transformed once again. Uh, perhaps we've heard these ideas before, these concepts, these biblical truths, and uh, if so, I pray that you would help us grow deeper in those areas. And if not, God, I pray that you would help us understand them. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. And so what I'll do is I'll read it, and then I'll give a summary of the passage um, by dividing it into sort of three sections, uh, followed by major ideas from those three sections. And so Ephesians 3 says this, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. 
To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, now to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. All right, and so again, what we have here is what I see are three significant sections with three significant ideas and applications And uh, I want to break it down for you. Section one, my section one, verses one to six, what's happening here? Paul is uh, once again introducing himself. He had done so in in previous chapters, but once again he's introducing himself. And he's emphasizing that he is a steward of God's grace. Um, I don't have uh, any letters after my name, right? I don't have a PhD or an MDiv or anything like that. But if I can get an SGG, steward of God's grace, I just think that would be fantastic. And dads, please use that dad joke later today with your kids. If I could get an SGG, that would be fantastic. He talks about how there was a mystery which was revealed to him by special revelation. And he talks about what this mystery is. This mystery is, in fact, the person and the work and the story of Jesus as Messiah, right? A a revelation that had not been made clearly known to previous generations in Israel. And finally, in this section, he talks about how part of this mystery is not only that the gospel has been accomplished through the Messiah Jesus, but Gentiles or non-Jews, just about everyone in this room, unless there's some of Jewish descent, Gentiles or non-Jews are now included in the offer of God's grace through Jesus, right? Section one. Section two, my section two again, you could probably split this up in different ways, but verses seven to 13, he talks about his position as the least of all the saints, Um, certainly hinting about his past life, pridefully murdering and and persecuting Christians, and even his current calling um, being persecuted for Christ. He also explains in a little more detail that he has this special calling to go to Gentiles and actually explain to them that they can now be grafted in to the story of Yahweh and and Israel. He has this calling to unravel this mystery. And finally in this section, he tells them, again, these Gentiles at the church in Ephesus, not to be sad over the fact that he is suffering, serving a criminal sentence, he's in fact on house arrest in Rome, but not to be sad over the fact that he was suffering for them. In fact, even before this uh, criminal sentence that he was serving on house arrest in Rome, he had bounced around between several prisons um, and before Jewish rulers, Roman authorities, all the while defending the gospel. It's an incredible ordeal. And he emphasizes again that these prison sentences that the suffering he was going through was for them because of his special calling to explain that the mystery is also available to them. Section three, my section three, verses 14 to 21, we see Paul telling them that he is just praying for them. He's actually profusely praying for them. And then he just writes down the prayer for them. And what does he want? He wants them to have strength, 
From, from where? God's strength. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that why? Christ may dwell in, in their hearts. How? Through faith. So that while they're rooted in his love, they may understand the depth of the love of Christ. It's an amazing prayer, right? If someone prays that for you, they really care for you. Then he, en- he ends um, giving all glory to God. And so let's look at each of those sections again, and then I want to draw out some, some big ideas. Um, so... Again, section one, verses one to six. What's the big idea here? For the first time in history, Yahweh was opening up salvation to all people outside of Israel, right? Although there were some instances in uh, the Old Testament, in the story of God in Israel before Christ, where God chose to interact with and uh, through uh, Gentiles, the story of the Old Testament is mostly that God was choosing to work through one nation, one people, um, in one covenant with them for 18 centuries. 18 centuries. God saw Israel as the apple of his eye. He chose to reveal himself to them again and again. He chose to protect them. He chose to instruct them. He chose to communicate to them. Right? It was this exclusive relationship on record and public, by the way, that you can read about again and again, like the world's first uh, reality TV show. And uh, just think about you know, all the ways, all the encounters, all the situations, all the people in the Old Testament that God chose to prove to Israel, hey, I'm in relationship with you. There are many. I want to give the crowd a chance to just shout out some names or situations or moments where God was like, I am in covenant with you. I'm taking care of you, Israel, for those 18 centuries. Help me out here. Say it again. Moses. All right. Abraham. David, Joseph, Jonah, we got the professor here, Daniel, Gideon, who's that? Oh. <laughs> Joshua, again and again and again, God chose to work through people who were part of this ethnic uh, group, Israel, and I want to highlight some things. In Abraham's case, Abraham was just one member of one pagan group out of all the pagan groups that had existed in the world, right? Hundreds of years after God decided to split up people through, um, after the Tower of Babel, giving them different languages. They were all just different pagan groups worshiping different pagan gods, and Abraham didn't do anything necessarily to deserve this. God just decided to choose Abraham and then blessed him in many, many ways that we can go on about time and time again. He, he did not choose a pagan from the Mayans or a pagan from the Vikings or the aboriginals of Australia or the Zimbabweans or even a pagan from the Italian peninsula, my ancestral group. He chose Abraham. And Abraham was just the initiation of God's covenant with Israel, right? He then continued to work through his son, right, Isaac, and then his grandson, Jacob, and then the 12 uh, tribes of Israel. And then even after all that, he chose to work through Moses to show the people of Israel that he wanted to protect them. And he freed them after a series of miracles and promises that he performed through the prophet Moses, um, even, even doing so at the expense of another ethnic group, right? Once um, Israel was on the other side of the Jordan, that was a miracle in and of itself. God let the people of Israel go through, and then he closes um, the river Jordan, right? Uh, trapping the enemies of Israel, protecting this one, one group of people. And then there are the prophecies about a coming Messiah. These were Israel's prophets telling them about a savior that would come and rescue Israel. There was many, right? The proto-evangelium, we call it as Christians in Genesis 3.15, but God said, hey, the enemy had a win here, but I'm going to send someone to crush the serpent in time, 
right? There was prophecies about his birth, prophecies about how he would be born, prophecies that he would have a miraculous ministry of healing, that he would enter Jerusalem on a donkey, that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, that they would pierce this Messiah's hands and feet, that they would bet for his clothing while he hung dying, and that he would not stay dead, but that he would defeat death, and on and on and on and on, right? And so for 18 centuries, this was Israel's Messiah that they were waiting for, and all that to say it was supposed to be to the eyes and minds of many Israelites, exclusive. God and Yahweh was meant only for Israel. It was their prophecies. And then, bam, right? The Gentiles are now included in that. The mystery is revealed, not only that Jesus is the Messiah, but that all people can gain access to salvation through Jesus. And Paul's calling is to share this gospel, certainly with the world at the time, right? But especially to share it with Gentiles. Now, is it true that God never thought about or cared about Gentiles in the Old Testament? Uh, No, right? The Old Testament is full of language that God would want to use Israel to actually bless the nations. And his primary way of doing so was by making sure that Jesus would come about, right, through ethnic Israel, through the genealogies of Israel. And so although Israel did and and I think still has a special place in the mind of God, all people everywhere can now experience this Yahweh. Application. Are you sharing this mystery? Are you sharing this mystery? The cat is out of the bag, right? Salvation access is now available to all people. And how we share this mystery is through evangelism by actually putting ourselves out there at the risk of mumbling our words and being embarrassed and, and being rejected. And I want to you know, sort of tackle one point. I think so many, unfortunately, avoid evangelism, avoid sharing this mystery because you honestly, you think evangelism is just sort of this dirty activity, you know? It's what the Jehovah's Witness, Witnesses do door to door. It's what the televangelists do. It's what the street preachers do. You're a cool Christian. You don't want to be associated with, with any of that. And um, I just want to confront that lie, which I think is from the devil, and say, evangelism, guys, is beautiful. It is so beautiful to go out of your way and to look for opportunities to explain this mystery to as many people as possible, it is, a, it is a beautiful thing. And as maturing Christians, we need to target those lies that come from the enemy, that come from ourselves, and uh, confront them with the truth. And that, that's one of them. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I love evangelism. I get to do it you know, all the time with the international student ministry. I still think it's scary. Um, I even have my own uh, broken, uh, imperfect record too. I remember when I first became a Christian, uh, again, I'm the young, big Italian family, I'm the youngest of uh, five kids. When I first became a Christian, my four older siblings were not walking with the Lord at the time, and I just really, really wanted my four older siblings, my three brothers, one sister, to come to Christ. And so I preached hard, and again, and again, and again, so much so that I ended up actually pushing them away. And so I got convicted for that, and uh, I sort of overcompensated um, by just deciding, okay, like, I'm just not going to share with them at all anymore, right? And um, even when there was opportunities that came up in conversation to share with them the love of Christ, I just decided, okay, I'm not going to share with them at all. And then the Holy Spirit convicted me of that and said, hey, what you're supposed to do is simply share the truth, but in love, right? You share the truth, but in love. You look for those opportunities. You share the truth. You don't have to be angry or impatient and you share it in love, and you let the Holy Spirit do his work. And um, super, super important. And so that's, that's the first uh, major idea, application. Second major idea, and application, again, these are my sections, verses 7 to 13. Uh, it is this. For Paul, it was worth suffering for the specific calling that he had. 
right? Paul's calling again. It was to reveal this mystery to Gentiles, to go to as many Gentiles as possible who believed all sorts of things and explain the story of Yahweh and Israel and how Jesus um, is the Messiah, but also the is the Messiah for Israel, but also the Messiah for them. And uh, and he did this, right? He did this so much so that again he ended up in prison many, many times. He ended up on trials many, many times. Again, this letter of Ephesians um, was a prison epistle, one of many prison epistles written because he was serving a criminal sentence. In this case, it was strict house arrest in Rome. And uh, this was just after spending two years in a Jerusalem prison for the, quote, fake crime of, quote, defiling the Jewish temple in Jerusalem by bringing Gentiles in its doors. That was, that was his, um, the crime he, they were, he was claimed to have committed, right? That's Acts 21, 18, a direct quote. And before that prison sentence, again, he bounced around between courthouses, between Roman officials, Jewish rulers, um, all while, by the way, sharing the gospel as many times as he could, right? And so here he is, he has the opportunity to defend himself, and he's like, well, let me just share the gospel here and now. Um, and this whole ordeal, if you want a, you know, an afternoon uh, enjoyable reading, is uh, in Acts 21 to 28. Really, really incredible what the Lord did through Paul. Now, why specifically, though, was he suffering, right? Why specifically was he serving these prison sentences? Again, this was the Greek-Roman world. You know, they were open to sharing ideas, right? And so why specifically was he suffering? He wasn't, you know, found to be jaywalking or evading taxes or smoking weed. And it wasn't merely as well that he was just sharing the gospel, right? Sharing a new idea. He was sharing the gospel too much. That was his crime. He was sharing the gospel too much with Gentiles, bringing them into Jewish places of worship. And the only reason he got house arrest and not another prison sentence was because he appealed based on his Roman citizenship. He happened to be a Roman citizen. And again, if you read Acts 21 to 28, he was well on his way to an early martyrdom. People wanted him dead for sharing this mystery way too much. So let's jump back to Ephesians 3, verse 13, um, which is where I'm going to draw out my sort of major idea here in application. And it is this. I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. I just can't get over that. (laughs) All these years of suffering, in and out of various prisons, right? On his way to martyrdom for these Gentiles that he's writing a letter to, in this case, the ones in, in Ephesus. And he says this, he's more anxious He's more anxious that they would be sad about his suffering than the fact that he was suffering in the first place. He was okay with his suffering, and he was asking them to to do the same. And my application point is this. It's simple. Are you suffering well? Are you suffering well? Now, I don't know most of you, and I won't pretend to know the kinds of darkness you, um, you may be going through. Perhaps it is something explicitly related to ministry, as it is here in the case of Paul. It may be something explicitly related to ministry, either here at church or elsewhere. Perhaps it's something related to family. Uh, perhaps it's your workplace making you suffer right now more than, more than you would want. And uh, we all will suffer as Christians. We all will go through various trials. Um, And yet, you know, a question is, will we suffer well? Will we have a godly attitude? Or will we suffer unwell with with an ungodly, even bitter attitude? Uh, Years ago, my my wife and I, we felt called to, um, although I was raised in northern Hudson County, Guttenberg, um, we ended up in Jersey City for a time. And so years ago, six years ago, I'm sorry, it's more like nine years ago. Um, we felt called to just settle and buy a home in Jersey City and stick with this church, local urban church that, um, that we were a part of. And um, 
I might look handy. People think I'm handy, right? At the time, I definitely was not handy, and I totally preferred renting over owning, and the idea of um, raising a family where my siblings were, Paramus, was really, really tempting to me. Nothing wrong with the suburbs, nothing wrong at all. But God was specifically asking me and my family to stay put in, in Jersey City, right, and to deal with the, all the, the complexities of ur- raising a family in urban life. And, um, and so we pursued it. And man, what a journey, <laughs> right? So that was about nine years ago when the Lord said, okay, start looking into it. It took about three years for us to finally find a home that was like, okay, this is in our price range and, and all of this. And then even then, for various factors, uh, various reasons, we were essentially homeless for about 10 months while we waited on some major repairs that the home had um, that the owner at the time needed to take on. And so I was living in North Jersey in my sister's basement um, with the two, two kids who were toddlers. We needed to drive back and forth uh, for their schooling in Jersey City about an hour, hour and a half or so. And uh, my wife was pregnant with our third baby girl. <laughs> And uh, you know how that is with pregnant lady. And so that was tough on her. And um, I have to admit, I did not suffer well during this time. Um, even if I never said it, and maybe I never even like had that a stream of thoughts in this way. The back of my mind, I, I was definitely blaming the Lord, often questioning why things were not smoother for the thing he asked me to do. And... Um, It's been five years since this, you know, I would say it was a trial. And I'm thankful that though I did not suffer well then, I was able to learn from it for many things that God has asked me to do since and even um, for things he has asked me to do now. And so friends, please learn from my mistakes, learn from Paul's successes, um, choose to suffer well in your life. Now that could be a whole talk in and of itself. I'm going to give it to one of your pastors to take on. Which one of you wants to take on the suffering talk? Um, That could be a whole talk in itself. What I want to give you today is sort of a litmus test for how you know whether or not you're suffering well. Okay, you're going through a trial, and the litmus test is simply, have you even prayed about that issue? Have you even brought it to the Lord? You know, so often we compartmentalize suffering, right? And so we're praying about other things in our life. Lord, save my grandchild. Lord, you know, help my neighbor um, with a flooded basement. There was floods recently. You know, Lord, do this. And then you're suffering. It's like, well, God doesn't care about that, obviously. And it's just, it's in the back of your mind. You haven't even brought it to the Lord. And that's definitely evidence that you're not suffering well. You're, you know, at best um, ignoring him. And at worst, just, just blaming him, and uh, I want to encourage you, pray. Pray about your suffering, and um, wait on that sermon from one of your pastors for other tips. Alrighty. Third major idea, last major idea, this is the shortest one here, uh, is Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Now again, God definitely made Israel a focal point in history. He just gushed with love for them. He guided them, protected them, right? And yet, once again, a mystery is revealed. Jesus is the Messiah that Israel's prophets had um, predicted would come, and that all people can now have access to salvation through that Messiah. In essence, God also loves Gentiles. God also loves Gentiles. Paul's primary calling, again, was to explain and proclaim this to as many Gentiles as possible, right? In in fact, you know, it was both in Paul's life because he was a a religious leader before, a, a Jewish religious leader before coming to Christ. And so he would often share the gospel with other religious leaders who so vehemently disagreed with him that they claimed he was just defiling the religion. He was defiling the temples he would bring Gentiles um, into. And then he prays this prayer, right? Let me read over this final section again, which is, uh, again, a prayer that, that Paul wrote down, is praying for these Gentiles at the, at the uh, Ephesus church, and it says this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts 
through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Just think about it. You don't think the Gentiles heard about the reason people were targeting Paul about the accusations that they were filth in this story, in this 18th century story dealing only with Yahweh and ethnic Israel. You don't think they heard those accusations that they were outsiders lost? Now compare that to what Paul is revealing to them from that very Yahweh. He wants them to what? Have strength. Whose strength? Strength from that very Yahweh, from God himself, from God's power. How? Through the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit himself, right? God's presence in us, they have access to that so that why Christ himself may actually just dwell in their hearts. How? Through faith. Right? It is by faith we are saved. It is by faith we are made. We believe that as Christians, so that while rooted in his love, they may understand the vast depth of the love of Christ. He really wants them to get this. Guys, I know enough Christians to know that, you know, filth is the word that many of you use in your own self image. For various reasons, you think that God is, you know, looking at you in disgust. You look at yourself in disgust. You think God wants absolutely nothing to do with you. You feel like you have defiled yourself too much, sinned too much, gone too far. Perhaps it's because of sins that were committed against you today or, or in your past. And I want you to take Paul's word for it. That when Jesus sees you, he has love for you. Jesus loves you, right? For those hearing this for the first time, you, this may be your first time coming to this church. Jesus loves you. For those who have been exploring Christianity for some time, perhaps for weeks, months, years, the Jesus you've been reviewing and studying, he actually exists and he really loves you. For those born and raised in the church and who've stayed the course, praise the Lord. Jesus loves you. For those born and raised in the church, but who have had periods of habitual sin and, and backsliding, Jesus loves you. My goodness, his love for you is great. And you need to know that. He wants you to feel that and know it. Amen? Let me uh, close in prayer. Is that all right? God, thank you so much uh, for your word. Ephesians 3 is just so rich with, with wisdom um, for, for who you are. I thank you that we can evangelize. We have the privilege of evangelizing, God. We can go out and tell people that there is a mystery, and uh, this mystery is Christ himself who has poured out himself for their salvation. I thank you that, God, that we can suffer well as Paul did, God, whether it's you know, because of ministry or other issues. I pray that we would have godly attitudes, mature attitudes when you call us to suffer. And I pray that as believers and, and non-believers, perhaps alike in this room, you would help us truly understand the love of Christ, how deep, how firm, how solid, how unchangeable it is by no merit of our own. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and respond to what we just heard by singing about...
Thank you, Joey. Thank you, Joey. Thank you for that message, and let us pray. Lord, I um, I praise you for that wonderful passage from Ephesians 3. Father, I thank you for Joey, and thank you for his uh, ministry to non-believers. And uh, he's going into the world at Stevens Institute, Father, and sharing the good news with international students, students that are coming to our country, first of all, probably feeling insecure coming to our country, coming to a brand new school, and then hearing um, of the good news of the gospel is the hope. I thank you for those three that came to faith this year. Thank you for the two of them that went into the waters of baptism on Easter. We praise you for that. Lord, I thank you for this message from Ephesians 3. Um, Father, I pray that you would give us the privilege of sharing that mystery uh, that you've given through Paul, uh, given through the apostles, and you've given it to us. Father, help us to share that. Father, for those that are suffering today, uh, Father, I pray that you would hear, that we would hear the words to suffer well. Um, Lord, I pray that you would remind us that there's not a molecule in this universe that's not a, um, under your control. So I thank you that even as we go through these struggles, it's been ordained by you, and that you want to do something in us and through us. And then, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be buoyed and founded by that amazing, invincible, infinite love that Jesus loves us, that you love us, Lord. Your Holy Spirit loves us. We praise you. Pray for anyone that is here today that doesn't know you, Lord, that has never trusted in your son. I pray that they would come and, and talk to one of us and hear the good news of gospel grace. And Father, in closing from Romans, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with love for one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Be blessed. Have a great day.